Amen. Psalm 33. Are you ready now? Now I'm going to read a little bit with the help of my fake bifocals glasses. They match my outfit. That's it. Rejoice in the Lord, all ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. I love that. I wish I could stop there, but I cannot. Praise the Lord with harp, singing to him with psaltery and an instrument of ten strings, singing to him a new song. Everyone say a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. Uh Uh-oh. I'm sorry. Verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right. All his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. But the word of the Lord, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Think of it. By the word of the Lord. And all the host of them. That means everything that consists in it by the breath of his mouth. I love this. He gather up the sea, the waters of the sea together like a heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. And I'll finish here. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Amen. Tonight, I've just come to stand in awe. That's it. Thank you, Father, for your word. Bless it in Jesus' name. Bless all the people. And everybody said amen. amen. Go down clapping your hands, if you will, and shout to God a great, great praise. Come on, praise. Come on, give God praise. He's a great God. I praise you. I give you glory. Uh, one of my earliest memories besides getting a spanking because I think that was the first memory was kneeling at the foot of the platform it was a brick altar at Northside Pentecostal Church I looked up, I saw a very tall man who was my father's original pastor, Brother Walter Gwynn. Bricks around the front. It was, he was a powerful preacher and teacher. It's one of my earliest memories. He looked to me like the greatest man that ever lived and he made me nervous. I have other memories growing up in the church, some of those powerful church services where the whole congregation were on their knees. I, I remember nights, nondescript nights. I remember the night that Mother Burgess walked out of her wheelchair. People fell all over the floor, watched her walk down the middle aisle. 
We had prayed for a long time. Cancer had eaten up the, the base of her spine. And it was gone, but she walked that night. My dad, he marked his pathway through life by making signs. My sister says of my father, my, da- my dad's motto is, if it's good enough to do, it's good enough to make a sign about what you're doing. So my dad took a big eye hook and drilled it into the side of the concrete wall of the church sanctuary and hung the wheelchair. Much to the dismay of the ladies auxiliary department who wanted it to be decorated nice. (laughs) I remember the night when a little mother walked into the church. She had a bunch of grown children with her and the Lord healed her of her blindness when we were finished praying with her, when I say we, that was generous of me. I, I, I was just watching it. <laughs> and they prayed for her and anointed her with oil. And when she opened up her eyes, she identified my father's suit, the color of it, my mother's dress, the color of it. And her children fell on their face and started to weep, eight of them. Eight grown children, they got up and they said, when we brought our mother to church, she was completely blind, she couldn't see. And when the people found out, they just stood there. Some of them just walked around the church with their hands, and some of them, I remember, put their arms and hands up against the walls, began to weep and speak in other tongues. Powerful service. I I have memories of that. Where the glory of God was so thick, rich, no one could contain themselves. I, I stood in the middle of hundreds of people, hundreds, 29 years ago, and was, awe, was at awe at the wonder of God. Each time I felt it, it changed my spirit. But things change over time. Even the word awe, it suffered a little bit in recent years, it's... It is the root of awesome, which has been so severely overused that many people don't even really know what it feels like. Awe means wonder, amazement. But it also means reverence, even fear or to strike with fear. Awe is the mingling of admiration and reverence. And because of that definition, I'm convinced that the awe of the Lord perhaps has fallen on hard times. I just want to stand tonight in awe of the Lord for the things he has done. I stand in awe of you, Lord. From the breath of his mouth. Everything that exists came to be. Out of nothing he spoke the cosmos into existence. And then to save his likeness, he prepared a human body and stepped into the realm that he had created from the breath of his own mouth. And yet I know that it's so easy to go through the motions of worship and singing and clapping. We all need that. I want that. We're going to do that. It's part of who we are and what we give to God. But I also want to retain the awe of the Lord. He's a great God. He's the only God. 
He's the mighty God. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the Lord of hosts. The heavens declare him. The waters stand at their borders because he has ordained the boundaries of the sea. All the elements of the world, known and unknown, features of the earth and sky, are submissive to the sound of his voice. He is the creator and all things are made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And given all of that plethora of insights and all things that are uncovered that still rest behind the glass darkly, I offer a context of scripture for us tonight. Just a thought. Comes from 2 Samuel chapter 6. Here's the verse and I'll read it to you. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and on symbols. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. Mm -hmm. It was a long time coming. The ark was finally on its way back to Jerusalem. And suddenly and without warning, all their efforts came to naught. Everything was good until nothing was good. There was music and laughter. There was singing and dancing. The musicians were in full display. Foot soldiers with clanging swords marched in Complete gear and the prancing horses arrayed in their military breastplates and plumed heads. But something happened along the way. It was the judgment of God. And the Bible will say that David was both angry and he was afraid. Something interrupted their worship environment. And David could not advance another step toward the city until he learned what they were missing. Think of it. All the music and singers and choruses and all the dancing and shouting, all the clapping with all manner of instruments, with good motives and pure intentions. And instead of progress, God responded with death. Flip back in your Bible. Go back for a moment and consider that day when God gave the ordinance and commission to Moses. Moses then commissioned the ark by skilled craftsmen. That was the place of God's final atonement. And the acceptance of the blood of sacrifice that would remove their sins for a year. That was the place where God, the cloud of glory, rested and consumed the sprinkled blood of an innocent lamb. The Ark of the Covenant, that acacia wood box covered with gold, holding inside of it the remnant of manna and the law and the budding rod of Aaron. All of it sealed with a lid that they knew as the mercy seat where the golden cherubim bowed in reverence. It led the entirety of the nation of Israel. Moses had a staff which parted the Red Sea and all the people walked through. But 40 years later, Moses and his staff was gone. But Joshua had the Ark of the Covenant. And when Joshua led the people into the Promised Land across the Jordan River in the time of flood, it was the Ark of the Covenant that was carried in the middle of a flowing river. The Bible said that the waters were folded back on either side and the children of Israel marched and they passed by the Ark of the Covenant as it was held by men on their shoulders but years will pass and the people will lose the awe of the ark they become accustomed to its power complacent with its place until finally Eli the high priest the keeper of the temple loses all focus of leadership he has served the people yes but he did not deal with his own sons he allowed wickedness to take place and the sons of Eli are corrupt 
They are morally depraved as they lead the people in the dark shadows of debauchery. Here's the Bible. Eli's sons were wicked men. They had no regard for the Lord. It's a carnal existence. And God became silent. The word of the Lord was rare. There was no open vision. Read in your Bible. Eli was numb to the voice of God. He knew what it should be, but he had not heard it in years until finally, as the armies of Israel went out to battle and carried the Ark of the Covenant, as was their custom, the Bible says that Israel was defeated. They were slaughtered on the battlefield. 30,000 men lay sprawled out in the valley, overtaken by the Philistines. The lot of them dead, a few of them running for their life. And one man with torn clothes makes his way back to Eli. He's covered in dust, so says the Bible, fresh from the battlefield. And he falls before Eli and tells him of the tragic news. He told Eli that Israel had been defeated, that his sons had died, and finally that the Ark of the Covenant was stolen. The historical account could not have been less sublime. The Ark of the Covenant was stolen, taken by the Ark enemies of Israel, and the news of it set off a series of tragic events. Israel's own army lay decimated on the battlefield. Since the days of Moses, Israel had never been without the presence of the ark. The ark had always been with them, regardless of their faithlessness or of their many discrepancies, and there were so many. They knew that the emblem and embodiment of God's power had been with them. Eli knew it better than most of them. He knew what it meant to lose the ark and of the three things that were spoken by that lone traveler covered with dust, torn clothes. The news of the ark stood out the most to him. Eli did not respond to the loss of so many lives, the defeat of the army. It should have crippled him then and there. Eli did not react to the death of his own sons, though they were bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. They were his own blood. He lost his family that day, their blood and their lifeless frames, trampled under the feet of the enemy. A single messenger had come from the battlefield to tell the story. But when the messenger came to tell of the Ark of the Covenant, when he made mention, he came to the moment of the Ark. Here's what happened in your Bible. When he made mention of the Ark of God, Eli fell from off his seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck broke and he died. For he was an old man and heavy and he had judged for 40 years. The Philistines had captured the Ark. It, 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 now it may sound a little, uh, a little hyper, a little hyperbolic but to Eli the enemy captured God they took the mercy seat they stole the presence the symbols of manna and the law on the rod Eli could have suffered through many losses but not the ark he knew that Israel perhaps could have recovered from any failure but the absence of the ark of the covenant take anything but don't take the ark a lack of regard for the Lord himself because became their undoing. No reverence, no fear of the Lord. Handed the most prized possession over to the enemy. The biblical pages seem to turn so very quickly now. Samuel steps to the forefront as the most unique spiritual leader in all of history. He is the high priest and so much more. He is a prophet. A kingmaker, a judge for the people, the anointed one who is anointing others. He's a teacher of men and among the congregation of the people, Samuel. But he will serve out his entire ministry without the presence of the ark. The Philistines had it, but ever so briefly. They could not keep it. A curse was put on the entirety of them so that they somehow managed to carefully put it on an ark and release it to go wherever the animals might take it. 
It's a strange journey as I read through the Bible for this most prized possession of a nation. Two cows harnessed to a new cart on a trek back to a territory somewhere nondescript in Israel. And finally that cart pulled by those cattle stopped in a Levitical town, a place full of Levites. It was a city of refuge, Beit Shemesh. And there the men of the city ran to see it, this golden box sitting atop this new cart, the Ark of the Covenant. They knew that it was God, and God had ordained it to come to them, so they made a place for it. Think of the awe of such a thing, that the ancient Ark of the Most High God, made and commissioned by Moses, would end up in your city. Not all of those men had reference. Not all of them had awe. Not all bowed their heads in holy fear. Some of the men, the Bible says, in Bet Shemesh decided to look inside of the ark. And God smote them right then and there. They died where they stood. For the next 20 years, that ark was kept in the house of Abinadab. And the last story in all those years was the death of 70 men who looked inside of it. But this is what the word told me. What God spoke. 20 years is time enough to forget the fear of the Lord. When things are good all the time, you forget when they were not. When life is going well, it doesn't take long for you to think. That you were meant to be blessed. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, the continual blessing of God could be a greater struggle than the moments when you were trying to keep your head above water. Paul said it this way, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sorrow? Those are all horrible things, negatives. But then he adds something to the mix. Paul said, I'm persuaded. This is his conclusion. That neither height nor depth can separate me. You see, height is different from depth. Depth denotes pain and sorrow, the pit. Depth is the miry clay. It's the mire of life, the low times, the valleys, darkness. But height is success. It can separate you too. Achievement can separate you from the love of God. Accomplishment. That's why I say that the blessing might make you desensitized to the one who gave you the blessing. And in time, we feel that maybe we deserve it when in reality, it was always the goodness of God and not our own ability that gave us worth. Somebody ought to know it right now. God gave you worth. You did not add value to yourself. Watch us now. David finally assumes the throne. He's looking for the restoration of the holy things of God. And he seeks for the very thing that his predecessor never pursued. Where's the Ark of the Covenant, he says. And they reply, it's at the house of Abinadab. And David convenes a convention of joyful redemption. He's bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to the city. Until the day that the oxen stumble and the Ark looked like it was going to fall. And the Bible says that Yuza put forth his hand to steady it and God struck him down. He died right there. All the music stopped. 
all the singers lost their sound. All the dancers lost their step. And David's processional was arrested in fear. What have we done? They lost the awe. They lost the amazement and the reverence. They lost the fear of the Lord, all that mingling of admiration and esteem. Yuza was the son of Abinadab. And he literally grew up with the Ark of the Covenant in his home. <laughs> there is the problem. There is the problem. <clears throat> Where, where's my son? Two of them over here. Me and mom bought a HUD home when we were first married. It was a townhouse. Nico, it was a townhouse at three levels. And it had stains all over the carpet and the walls were horrible. And me and mom peeled the wallpaper off on Mondays and Tuesdays and went and preached revivals Wednesday through Sunday, came back and peeled more wallpaper. And the upstairs bedroom was so terrible, she took bottles of bleach and she poured it on the carpet because she said, it's better that I just have white spots all over the carpet. <laughs> We had the cleaners come out and clean it. Actually, we couldn't afford that. I think we got our own steamer. But Tammy poured the bleach on the carpet, the nasty old carpet. We finally got better carpet, but we, we cared for the brown carpet. <laughs> we the banisters were some nasty old banisters. I painted them white. Five coats of paint. We remodeled the bathroom little at a time. When we would get some extra money, we remodeled the bathroom. We had a tree in the front yard. Tammy said, I want to cut that tree down. It's nasty. We had a little bitty yard in a, in a neighborhood. I said, I'll do it. I can do it. I borrowed someone's. <sighs> you should have seen me. I said, Tammy, this is a big tree. It was a big tree. I don't know what we were thinking. We... I cut the tree, I had the chainsaw, I cut the tree. And, and I said, Tammy, we got to make sure the tree falls the right way. Mind you, I've never cut a tree. I couldn't predict where that thing was going to fall. So I got a little rope and I tied it to Tammy and I said, I'm going to tie it to this tree. I'll cut it, you pull it. <laughs> right in the asphalt parking lot all the cars were around thank God the heavenly host came down and guided the tree I know the angels did it because one little branch of that massive tree weighed more than all of us put together we finally got done with the house. Hear me, Nico and Reagan. We finally got done with the house. And, and we knew the ceilings needed to be painted. So I took 
paint and I rolled the ceilings and they looked nice and everything was good. And then one day we came home and it had been a long day and we left the lights on upstairs in the bedroom but we walked upstairs and we went to bed and we're laying there after a long day and the lights were off and we looked up and we realized the people who lived there before us had glued glow-in-the-dark stars to the ceiling. (laughs) The stars came out at night in our house. I'm going to tell you, we had it good. We had it good. I'm not begrudging that because I do remember when my mother and father took a little church in Missouri and they began to be a pastor and dad sold everything out and he had to live somewhere that we all lived in a church basement. And it would flood in the church basement and the water smelled like sulfur water. It was sulfur water. Anybody knows what sulfur water is? I'm going to tell you what, it's great for your teeth, but it smells like rotten eggs. And me and Scotty and Dana would share, we would take turns taking a bath in the sink of the church basement, the church kitchen, because that's where we lived, until Dad rigged up a little hose and made a little shower. And then he made a sign, shower. Uh I'm a little concerned. See, I'm, I'm a little concerned, guys. Because there was a day when I walked in 20 years ago that some people wanted to join the choir and I said, you cannot join the choir. And they said, we're good. The lady said, I'm a good singer. I said, you can't join the choir because if you join the choir, we'll have more people in the choir than we have on the pew. And we got to have somebody to sing to. <laughs> and besides, every time it would rain, we had a few five-gallon buckets. Can I get a witness? I need a witness. Thank you, Rose and Ed. We would put the five-gallon buckets on the platform behind the choir because the rain would come in. Thank you, Lori. And back in the back, too. And every once in a while, bats would get in and they'd land in the baptismal tank. One time I went to bat somebody, baptize somebody, and there was a bat in there. And I said, before they got in, I said... Uh, just let them go out and pray. They need to pray through again. Well, they already prayed. Prayed again. Pray them again. Pray them through to something else. I don't know. Just get them prayed through to something. I looked over one of the guys and said, get a bag. We got to get that thing out of here. We're going to baptize them. Uh-huh. That's right. I'm a little concerned, you see, because 20 years is a long time. It's long enough to forget what God has done. Let me just tell you, young people, it hasn't always been this way. Hasn't always been this way with these nice cushions. There's a guy in the back row. His name is Gary. And we had pews that needed to be repadded. Right now, he's, he's here. He, re, he, he unstitched all the pews, him and his wife and Brother Purdue unstitched all the pews and put new padding in the pews because if you sat down, it had, it had fabric, but it didn't have any cushion on it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So little by little, 
we began to repad all the pews because we didn't have any money to buy chairs. Hear me. It hasn't always been like it is right now. And unless we get back to the awe and the appreciation, you're going to lose the awe of God. We are blessed, but that's also a problem. You may not be struggling getting into church and feeling, feeling the right temperature, but there was a day when the sound system got so heavy that it blew the circuits outside of the old building. That's right. Ran three air conditioners and had all the music going on, and we just blew the circuits, and we had two screens on either side, TVs that were on either side. We could see the words, and they were little bitty fonts. I mean, this little, little bitty almost had to interpret... One of the screens, one of the TV things blew up. People still shouting and worshiping, dancing and running the aisles. I'll tell you why. Because we love the Lord. And we didn't care what came. We didn't care what went. We didn't care what the temperature was. We didn't care if we had sound or we didn't have sound. Because we had the awe of the Lord. We had the awe of God. And when you lose that, you lose everything. Hear me. You lose everything. And that's what happened with Yuza. He grew up literally with the Ark of the Covenant in his home. I want to tell all my boys. I don't know if my daughter is here back from St. Louis or not. But I want to tell my boys, you probably won't live in a house like you're living in right now. In fact, I hope you live in a little two-bedroom lean-to. <laughs> it's going to help you. At least starting out. In fact, I'm planning on buying you one pretty soon. Uh, I could probably trade your Xbox for it. Maybe you don't understand this. Let me just tell all of you this. Especially new converts and people that this is the only church you've ever known. Let me just tell you, this is not common. I'm not being boastful and proud. I didn't do it. It was the hand of God. But the Holy Ghost that we feel in here and all the miracles and powerful servants, it's not common. It doesn't happen everywhere. You ought to be thankful. You ought to be grateful. I'm, I'm just, I just came to stand in awe of the Lord. I stand in awe of your wonder and your power. And I came to tell you about Yuza who got up in the morning and the Ark of the Covenant was there. And he came in the noonday and the Ark of the Covenant was there. And when he went to dinner at nighttime and the family came, the Ark of the Covenant was there. And he got used to it. He saw it. He grew accustomed to it. Whatever state they found it, at least for Yuza, the glory of God, the treasured kingdom, it lost its luster because he thought that he deserved it. And that he could touch it anytime he wanted. He lost his awe. He lost his awe. I got to tell somebody, our moments in this house of worship are not typical. I'm grateful, but it's not typical. I don't think we got it all together, but it's not typical. I think we got a lot of problems. We got to go forward. We got to get closer to the Lord, but it's not typical. 
You walk around the world and get outside the boundaries of the United States and you're going to find out how wonderful it is to have a church house. It's not typical. You're going to find out how great it is to know that you have freedom. It's the only place in the world where you really have religious freedom to love God and to serve God. In many parts of the world, it's illegal to do what we're doing right now. You lose the awe of the Lord. I'll tell you what you'll become. You'll become calloused and indifferent and cold. But I want to urge you tonight. I stand and I want you to stand in the awe of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for what you've given. The provisions of the Lord. Keep standing, Jeff Allen. It was the Lord that drew you here. We have no church sign on our building because we took it down and we were waiting for the next building to come up. But you came in the parking lot. Why? Why did you come here? Because you were drawn of the Holy Ghost, Jeff Allen. And your wife, Lisa, already had the Holy Ghost and she knew what it was. But she really wanted you to be the man. She wanted you to fall in love with Jesus. And when you walked in this house and came down to receive your baptismal certificate, I was in awe when the Holy Ghost fell on you and you began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Ghost gave the utterance. I'm in awe of that. It's amazing. I don't know if you understand this or not. But it's inconceivable that a man who has no relationship and doesn't know anything about the apostolics would say, I love it, I want it, I need it. It was a God thing. I'm standing in awe of everybody who's got out of drugs and alcohol and addictions and methamphetamines and God has removed it. I stand in awe of the presence and the healing power of God. Hey, help me a little bit, Elder. I got to get back on that train because I know God has done something here and I got to stand in awe of him. I'm in all of you, Larry. I'm in all of you, Larry, and your wife. And you can just come in here and lift your hands up the day after you got home. Oh, Larry, I'm humbled by it. The day after you brought your only son full of hope and future and you put him in the hands of God and when you said to me pastor his friends are coming and I know that people were saved because he donated himself to science but wouldn't it be great you said it wouldn't it be great if his friends came to Christ at the funeral at all that I stand in awe that God could restore your life and that the mini of ministry of reconciliation is alive and well in this house I'm in awe that God's grace and mercy brought us out I'm in awe of that
coming all that God raised us up that God allowed it because on this corner there ought not been a church elder on this corner there ought not been a church much less, much less a growing church much less an apostolic Pentecostal Holy Ghost church And I stand in awe that all of you keep coming to this house and loving God. And some of you go through great trouble and family heartache and your marriages are struggling. But I stand in awe because you keep coming back and God keeps blessing your life. I'm in awe of the powerful mercy and grace of the Most High God. People are coming to this altar and repenting on a weekly basis. And the Bible says that the angels of heaven rejoice over one sinner that repents. You might have been looking for a miracle. You might have been looking for a heavenly host. But there's a party in heaven. And we got to stand it all over one sinner. Hey. Come on, you ought to say he brought me out. You ought to say he brought me out. He set me up. You ought to say he raised me up. Jason Martinez. I didn't even know what was going on. Stay right there. Get back there. I don't care. You can come out. I think it's time for you to do some shout. Come on down here. We'll, we'll do it together. Come on. Come on, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know any moves? I don't know. Just follow me. Watch this. I, I was watching today. I was just about done. And I saw the corner of my eye. You're leading this wonderful man. Leading him over to the baptismal area. And I thought to myself, yet another baptized in the name of Jesus. I stand in awe. It keeps happening over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I stand in awe. One of the sweet people here a few years ago told me, now pastor, I'm Baptist. I said, okay, praise God, we baptized you. It made no big deal, so what? I'm Baptist. I said, I know. I'm not Pentecostal. I'm Baptist. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. And it, it didn't take long. Maybe, I don't know, a few months later, six months later, that person came back up to me and said, Pastor, I think I'm a mixture. They said, I'm Baptocostal. I'm just in awe of it because the Lord is transforming everybody's life. Hear me, before you know it, you'll be shouting like an apostolic Pentecostal running the aisles. I don't know what you call yourself. I don't really even care what you call yourself. I'm so glad that the Holy Ghost is here and I stand in awe of the power of the name of Jesus. Hey! I'm in awe of the blood of Jesus. Can I just talk about the blood a little bit now? Can I talk about the blood, the cleansing blood that covers?
covered you when you were unredeemable and uncourageable and uncorrigible and you had no hope but the blood of Jesus and when he looked at you he didn't see who you were or where you came from but he looked at you through his blood I'm in all of his blood just so everyone knows we think this is a nice place but really it's not the Taj Mahal it's just a gymnasium with carpet and we don't allow anyone to play basketball yeah, it's a dysfunctional gymnasium that's right with air return ducks yeah so so some people walk in and say oh this is so nice well that's because Tammy has good taste Praise God. This ain't no big deal. I've been to the, at the Mormon temple. I believe it's in Carmel. Yeah, you have to wear little booties to walk in. Over your shoes. Yeah. That's an awesome place. No Holy Ghost, no power, but whew, opulence. Their baptismal tank's different than ours. It's held up by 12 massive bronze ox. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, don't, don't, don't think of ourselves so great. Just know that whatever we have, it's because the Lord gave it. Because in Him we live and move and have our being. It's not the things that I'm in awe of. It's the people of God that I'm in awe of. Because you're the people of the Most High God. And what He did in you makes me stand up and say, Wow, the Lord is incredible. You mean God brought you all that way and brought you here? You mean God picked you up out of miry clay and put you on a, on a rock to see? You mean God did that? I stand in awe of the Lord. I don't want to get comfortable with this place and with our God. Come on, please tell me that we're not going to just clap our hands next Sunday because that's what everyone is doing. When I come in here, I'm clapping my hands to Him. I don't care if you're here or you're not here. I don't care if you're shouting or not shouting. I come because I love Him. I wonder if you would just worship God for a little bit like you were in awe of him and nobody else mattered and there was nobody else around but you would recognize he is an awesome God and everything that exists came from the breath of his own mouth. Wait a second. Hey, you three guys. Come up here. Wait a second. Where did you guys come from? Where'd you come from? Wait, wait. did you grow up in church? Where'd you come from, Brother Scott? Well, you didn't even want to go to church and said, I'm never going to get the Holy Ghost. In fact, my wife's going, but I don't want to have anything to do with that. What about you, tough guy? First time I saw you, 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 had, you had like a muscle man t-shirt, crying, didn't know what was going to happen. You're a little eight-day-old baby about to die, holding that baby in the arms for the last time. Because your baby didn't have insides, didn't have a digestive tract, and was born without all the ability to digest any food. And was living off of sugar water until the Lord stepped in and said, oh no, I got a plan for baby Hadley. Hey, hey, 
Where'd you guys come from? I'm going to show you three guys who didn't belong in the church, had no heritage, had no family lineage, but the Lord called them and brought them in, and now they're worshipers and dancers. I stand in awe.